Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. What's up? Welcome to another episode of our Triune Pod. This is Nick here. Ben, how you doing? I am doing all right. I'm loving life. How are you doing? Good, man. Yeah, spring has sprung, which in Austin means it's 95 degrees during the day. So you know, really? God. Yeah, I mean, oh wow. Uh, so that's maybe a little. Friends, I'm going next week. Oh boy, that's true. Yeah, man. Next week we'll be doing a live, a live pod. It's very exciting. Another one. That's true. All right, man. Wait, before we jump into the, the collect, I wanted to ask you about uh, a movie you just saw, Minari. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. So um, why don't you explain the premise and then some of the resonant themes? Yeah. So in the movie, it's uh, Korean immigrants. Uh, first, they go to California, but we really, in the movie, we pick up there in Arkansas and uh, the uh, father figure is trying to start a farm. But really, the movie is about what it's like for immigrants in America in a place like Arkansas and all their encounters with the, you know, wonderfully quirky Americans that they run into. Uh, And it is funny, like seeing it from their eyes in light of all that's happening in our world today, just like, yeah, like how foreign we must be. And obviously it's all subtitled. So uh, they're, they're, they're speaking in Korean, but we really, you know, you're in their minds. You, you feel this resonance with their, experience you kind of feel like you're them so it's 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 just kind of uh this really cool experience really great movie you feel good about it at the end um yeah totally worth it but definitely like very much good for right now to watch i know that like a decent subplot my understanding i've never seen the movie i haven't seen the movie yet is uh, their kind of enculturation or lack thereof in like an Arkansas evangelical church, nondescript evangelical church, I think. Um, what, what's that dynamic? I know that's not the point of the movie, yeah, but yeah. like we're pastors, so that's what we're interested in. Like what uh, is that? Yeah, how would you, because uh, I know the, the filmmaker, Lee Isaac Chung is a believer. Like he, um, his first movie, which I am not even going to try and pronounce is about, it was kind of like a cinema verite thing. Like he was in Rwanda in the capital city uh, with youth for a mission or youth with a mission. And from there, well, no, the movie is, yeah, he used these like real life non-professional actors to tell a, a narrative, but about the genocide and the aftermath of the genocide. Um, wow. So he definitely comes from like, uh, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he comes from like a pretty decided faith perspective. Not that it's a Christian movie, but um, so yeah. How, what's that dynamic? Yeah. Like? And friends, I, so Nick mentioned that to me right before this podcast, I had no idea, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so in the movie, there is a church that plays a prominent role uh, and there are, I mean, it's Arkansas and everybody's Christian. Uh, But what I did like about it was you you do see the weird parts of evangelicalism, of some of the Pentecostal movement in the South, but they're portrayed. It's not like most films or most TV shows where it's like, these people are stupid and that's the whole story. It's, it's very complicated, and, and, and he portrays these, the members of this church as being very welcoming to 
to the family, to the, the immigrant family. And, and obviously there's this kind of like disconnect from like lack of understanding on both sides, but it's, it's definitely a generous portrayal. Uh, but while at the same time, not pretending like these folks are, are, are perfect or amazing, it's a, uh, yeah. And be, the fact that you mentioned that makes a lot of sense now that this person probably has a, a weird baggage with these communities while also claiming to be a part of that, a, a member. So yeah, that definitely wasn't the main thrust of the movie, but a significant background. Uh, this, that makes me want to watch his other movies now and look into this guy. Maybe we can get him on the pod. That that would be very cool. <laughs> I think he's probably in demand. I think he's gonna be nominated for like an Academy Award. Yeah, but, he, but. we talked about him first, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, let's go to the collect. Uh, this is one of one of the most uh, interesting and inspiring. Easter text. I don't think it's actually the text this year in the lectionary, but the collect is obviously derived from the story of the road to Emmaus. Um, Instead of explaining it, I'll pray it. Oh God, whose blessed son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread. Open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him and all his redeeming work who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Amen. Break it down for me. All right, so that first line, oh God, whose blessed son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread. Nick stole my thunder. Of course, that is referencing the road to Emmaus. And if you forget that story, it's when the two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, you know, seven miles, and they stumble upon Jesus. Only they don't know it's Jesus, much like in some other episodes of the of the gospel where Mary doesn't see Jesus till he calls her by her name. Here, uh, they're talking to this man and, and Jesus plays the fool. He's like, well, what is everybody talking about? Why is everyone so sad? And they say to him, are you the only one who doesn't know about the events in Jerusalem? And he walks alongside them and, and then essentially gives them the story of redemption or tells them about, oh yeah, essentially like, you know, this, this person needed to die and rise. And they're like, come alongside us. We, you, you seem really interesting. And then, you know, he, he talks to them from scripture and then breaks bread in their midst. And when he breaks the bread, they recognize that it was, that it's Jesus. So Mary, for Mary, Jesus calls her by her name and she sees for these two disciples in the breaking of the bread, they see Christ and then he's gone uh, in an instance. And actually, so this story has really always kind of reminded me of uh, this. Uh, Jimmy Fallon used to do this skit where it was uh, essentially it's, it's a sports stars in New York uh, going around the city, not in their uniforms, in their civvies, and essentially asking random New Yorkers about themselves. <laughs> so the one I remember is Matt Harvey, who used to be this New York City, uh, New York Mets pitcher. He was asking these random New Yorkers about what they thought about Matt Harvey. Uh, and so you, you see all these people being in front of, they're wearing their Mets jerseys or Mets hats or whatever. So they're obviously fans. They've seen Matt Harvey before. Matt Harvey's asking them about himself and they are just either gushing about him or they're like, oh yeah, like, you know, he, you know, he's got showing a promising future, but we'll see. And obviously the most fun ones are the ones where people are like throwing serious shade. Uh, about have you uh, have you used this before as a sermon illustration? That's that's very <laughs> clever. I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, I really did not know recycle material here. But. I love that. No, it's that it works, man. That's but effective. my favorite one 
is when I mean this one fan is calling him like a total bum, even though he's like uh, the the year they're doing this, he's like the 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 starting pitcher for the All Star team, the National League's All Star team, calling him a bum, and just Matt Harvey lets him just spill everything, and then as the guy's walking away, uh, he just goes like, "Thanks, I'm Matt Harvey." And then you see the guy look back and it's just like red faced deer in the headlights immediately. So that just kind of reminds me, I mean, now, I mean, that's kind of a funny example, but I mean, for you, Nick, I mean, I I know in my life, I've, I've just, uh, I think mostly I view this spiritually. I view this in my relationship with Christ, just how often um, I am just oblivious to the stranger right in front of me. And sometimes I mean, just, you know, like, like the scriptures say, seeing Christ in those around us. Sometimes I just really can't stand someone for a long time. Uh, but then I don't know what it is like with the work of the Holy spirit, whatever it is, I just, I, I see this person and I, you know, I see past their eccentricities or whatever, and just see them for who they are made in the image of God and a real joy to to the world uh do you have any kind of experiences that, like that just uh yeah uh i think yeah i like that you that you talked about that both vertically and horizontally um i mean i'm definitely someone who has has always had a hard time as i've navigated different church traditions like narrating quote unquote when i became a christian because i think what i would say now with a bit more kind of theolo- like with a kind of a theological lens is like, oh no, I was raised as a believer. I've never known a day apart from the love of God. Um, but and, 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 but to speak more experientially, I definitely have, a, uh, I, I can definitely narrate, like I used to have no interest in things of God and had no interest in Christ and saw no need for his redeeming work uh, to use the language of our collect. And then like in an instant, really began to notice it and appreciate and savor the goodness of God as is given to us in Jesus Christ. So I definitely have that experience, you know, uh, and I think that's kind of an Emmaus moment for sure. Um, yeah, maybe I'll tell that story actually, cause that kind of works. I, I, this is a little bit, uh, <laughs> this is spontaneous in some ways, but yeah, so I was raised in like very big box churches that were very sexy and pretty in Southern California. You know, this was like the era in the nineties where like, worship music really began to take off as kind of its own thing. And you would have like, cause we, we were in Los Angeles, you know, extremely talented musicians that were playing in the worship band. And it was, it wasn't Hillsongy in that it wasn't like the spectacle, but there was a sense of like, Oh, this is cool. Like this is, this is dope. You know, uh, it was not like lame kind of churchy stuff. And uh, but you know, that didn't really make an impact on me at all. And uh, when I really did become a believer in, in the way that I'm narrated it experientially, it was in a windowless like facility room closet with a like geriatric couple from New Zealand who prayed over me and God used their prayers to kind of help me understand my situation. I was 18 and really struggling with like drug abuse and um, in a way that feels very Christ like uh, gospel, like inverted, there was like the kind of spectacle of the stage and like the beautiful people playing worship music to 10,000 people screaming worship anthems, like really made no impact on me, but it was this like upside down, you know, theology of the cross sense of like this old couple from New Zealand in a windowless facility room closet that like helped me kind of see my situation and, and open the eyes of my faith to God's redeeming work. 
Yeah, no, that's really cool. Let me so let me read the the second line uh, of the colic because it just makes clear what we're talking about. Uh, we our ask is open the eyes of our faith that we may behold Him and all His redeeming work. Uh, and I love that line: open the eyes of my faith so that I can behold You and Your redeeming work, that work of salvation. And just continuing with this 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 what we're talking about. Uh, so Bono has this line in one of one of their albums, one of their not so great albums, but uh, uh, he goes, how can you stand next to the truth and not see it? And uh, I guess taking this off of me and you, I've, I've often wondered over the course of my life, I've, I've had friends in my life who are not Christian and they've been friends with me for a long time. Not that I'm like the stellar Christian who's gonna convert them, but at times I've, I've, I've seen my friends encounter Jesus or be really close to Jesus. And I, I, or, or my family, I think of my uncle who I used to have all these really big kind of debates with. It was, I mean, they were friendly conversations, but sometimes he got pretty heated. And I, I, think I love, I, I, the people love the uncle content, Ben, just keep, <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. Thank you. But um, yeah, you know, so he just kind of, you know, it was just, he was so close to this, to the truth. And you could tell he wanted it because he got heated all the time by it. And it was just like, how can you not see this? And sometimes I think to myself, I think we need a Kafka's ice axe, right? Just like to, to break through our stupor. Uh, and I, no, I don't know. Sometimes I think we in more evangelical world really do think we need that ice axe to be like that powerful music plan, that stadium, uh, you know, come to Jesus moments. Whereas here in, in, in the story of the road to Emmaus, right? The, the Lord does not act, the Lord does not open their eyes through wrath or anger or firework displays, but it's in these ordinary means of unpacking the word of God and in bread and wine. Uh, and that's what you and I do at church every week. We're preaching the gospel. We are administering the sacraments. And it's not guaranteed that we will see the stranger right in front of us, but that's our best chance, our best hope. Something like being prayed for by some ordinary, probably quirky person. Um, and yeah, I mean, in my life, that's essentially where my eyes have been open to the Lord as well, to these kind of ordinary things. I mean, I, I don't know. Again, going back to the stranger right in front of you, I think some of us have examples of like, you know, friends we've, we've had for the, the longest time and we're so busy looking for like the most beautiful, well put together, successful people to, uh, to, to date or to, to marry. And then you see, oh, that friend of mine, who's just this great person. Uh, this was, is the person who's gonna be good for me all along. Uh, and those are the illustrations I like that I think really do connect to, I think sometimes we wanna find God on a mountaintop. We wanna find God, you know, here and there. And then some, you know, sometimes that happens, of course. But the day-to-day -day stuff, we as Christians really believe that if you want to find the stranger right in front of us, if you want to be connected to God, it's through prayer, it's through scripture, it is through the sacrament. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty into that. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well, speaking as someone who is like not into that, no, I'm totally kidding. Have you noticed? It's less um, into that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Have you noticed, I think some people would tell a story about kind of their sacramental piety as like kind of 
uh, like I've heard people use the phrase a sacramental universe, I think is a sacramental imagination, I think is the phrase. So the idea being like when you kind of get used to perceiving like being in a kind of a sacramentally oriented church and ordinary things like bread, wine, or water become these doorways into God, God's presence, that that kind of opens up your imagination to see the divine breaking through and other mundane, ordinary things. Uh, I'm not asking you to be critical uh, and maybe you're going to say quite positively, but like, do you buy that? Is that, has that been true for you? Like empirically? I feel like I've, I've read about it being true for other people more than it being true for me. <laughs> That's a very veiled yeah. criticism. <laughs> uh. No, I mean, like, I've heard I, it I want it. other people. Me, I mean, like when I read like Marilyn Robinson's Gilead, it's uh, you, you, you kind of see the sacrament of the ordinary. And it's just, it is, I guess, kind of in, in line with that, like beauty will save the world kind of way of thinking. And yeah, maybe, maybe that's true sometimes, but for the most part, that's. Beauty <laughs> will save well. the world. Who the, who the hell says that? Is uh, that like an Instagram like caption? Or there's some. Oh, okay. Okay. It's some, it's some ex-evangelical. Um, <laughs> But I mean, like, I don't know, like, I really don't mean to be critical of like the firework displays or this and that. I mean, because those have, have definitely been important in my life. But I think you you said this before, what has legs? What's going to get me through this sometimes long life? How do I, you know, stay connected to this stranger in front of me? Because I, I, yeah, I would say I don't, I don't think for a lot of people, you don't see the stranger once and that's enough for your whole life. Now, those people are out there and they are saints. But for me, I need to be constantly connected to the stranger right in front of me. And the example I'll give is, I mean, I was talking to somebody last night. I, I had drinks with a friend last night who's essentially told me I have lost my faith. Uh, and this person has definitely had a real... Who, who, who was it? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> but I mean, but the, the person did end the conversation saying, but I'm not saying that's once and for all. I, I may get my faith back. But, the, but even his language was just like, I, it's not something that I've not wanted to have. I just don't have it now. And of course, maybe he could read a scripture more. Maybe he could go to church more. Maybe he could you know, have a more effort at it. But um, yeah, no, I think just a lot of us need to be, have this stranger, this stranger encounter, this Emmaus encounter over and over, or at least more than once, just to sing us through. And, and, and oftentimes I do think <laughs> to combat what I just said, uh, it really is just, it's showing up. It's, it's being, it's saying the creed. Uh, yeah. It's going to that, you know, praise and worship concert and, and, and having that high with the praise and worship music, if that is your thing. And uh, yeah, I think that's where God meets us. The ice ax comes through in prayer, in praise in the sacrament, in preaching. And that's how we're going to see uh, the stranger right in front of us. That's how we're going to stand next to the truth and see it. And I guess a lot of that has made it sound like it's our act. Obviously it's Christ act, but I'm just asking you to show up. <laughs> I don't think that's asking for too much. Uh, okay. Can I make one ice ax related request before we go? Yeah. Could you, could you sing that verse, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, open the eyes of our heart before we end this pod? Heart, Lord. All right, that's it. <laughs> All right. Pray us out, man. All right. Oh God, whose blessed son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I mean, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen.
how about that episode of our triune pod now that you've been prepped for praise won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review we promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming so be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast